0: That sort of requirement to have a minimal lovable product led us to a level of detail which I think is then reflected in our consumer reviews.
1: It's the e-commerce master plan podcast here to help you solve your marketing problems and grow your e-commerce business cutting through the hype to bring you inspiration and advice from the e-commerce sector and beyond here's your host Chloe Thomas. Hello and welcome. It's great to have you here. Thank you for hitting play and choosing to listen to one of our inspiring guests. Before we get into this interview, I want to just say a big thank you to past guest Ali from Grub Club and to Troy from iFulfillment for their help in connecting me with Mark to get him interviewed for the show. So thank you, Ali. Thank you, Troy. Much appreciated. In this episode, I'm speaking to one of the co-founders of a super fast growth D2C brand or CPG brand, I suppose we could say, who are not only creating a hugely successful brand and e-commerce business and product, they have also done it in a super sustainable way. We will be talking about how they've built that growth success into their business from the beginning. We'll be talking about getting the product right, we'll be talking about the customer experience, we'll be talking about customer reviews. There's some awesome tips at the end in the top tips, a whole plethora of them around saving you time on Slack and on your Mac. A brilliant book recommendation and some brilliant PR tips too. So make sure you listen right to the very end of the episode so you get those top tips from the guest and so you also get my take on this episode. And now to introduce our special guest. Mark Rushmore is the co-founder at Surrey, which is short for Sustainable Rituals. They're a future-focused wellness brand, most famous for their electric toothbrush, the world's most sustainable electric toothbrush. Founded in 2021, they started shipping in May 2022 and grew to £5 million in the first 13 months via their Shopify site and Amazon, and they've now launched in high street retailer boots. Hello, Mark. Hello, Chloe. Brilliant to have you here. Thank you so much for taking the time out to record this. How did you get into e-commerce?
0: Firstly, thank you very much for having me on. Like, I think what an amazing podcast you have with an array of like internationally famous guests, including Michael Gerber, who wrote The E-Myth, one of my favorite ever books. So thank you very much. Um, I started my career at Procter & Gamble in a variety of sales and strategy roles, and I happened to, through a chance encounter, meet my co-founder, Gieve, at an industry event, and he was working at the time for Sir Martin Sorrell, the founder of WPP, and you know we got chatting, and it turned out he also worked at P&G, but in Geneva in marketing and finance roles for uh, Gillette. And we went off to do different things. I set up my own experiential marketing agency. He went to run uh, some e-commerce companies on behalf of a VC fund. But I subsequently sold my business. Guy was looking to do something else. And what really struck us in the very first time we met, actually, was the sort of incredible amount of waste created by the FMCG and CPG industry, whether that's packaging or goods, and we sort of really both felt that the future of of consumer products would be both sustainable at their core, as opposed to an afterthought, but also have e-commerce as like a as a sort of like front and central part of their proposition, as opposed to you know traditional retail, which is what people like Procter and Gamble have traditionally specialised in. When we kind of came back together, we were both um, separately about to have children. Um, and we were thinking, you know, what do we want to do that has a positive impact on the world, that builds on our e-commerce and consumer goods experience. And, you know, we looked at different categories and, you know, realized that every year, four billion toothbrushes are thrown away and end up in landfill or the ocean. And what's more, virtually every brush you've ever owned, Chloe, since you are a little girl, probably still exists and, and will do for many hundreds of years, and that's the same for everyone on mass. So clearly there was a huge sustainable issue, but then what's more is electric toothbrushes haven't meaningfully changed in decades. They remain as bulky as they were in the 1980s, 99.9% of them are welded shut. So when the battery dies, you can't you know just repair the battery, you have to buy a whole new one. So it's not very economical, but also not very sustainable. And then lastly, you know, I should ask you, do you use the uh, Bluetooth app all the time to brush your teeth?
1: No, no, I'm not. I'm not app ready. I, uh, listeners, I am a user of the Suri toothbrush. Uh, I can highly recommend it. Um, but no, I'm not using the app.
0: But before you used it, what did you use?
1: I used an Oral-B, very noisy Oral-B, non-sonic toothbrush.
0: Great. Well, so there you are. So what, what I found is I've spoken to thousands and thousands of people like, you know, does your battery die? Oh, all the time. It only lasts a few days. Like, okay, do you use the nine different modes? No, no, I only use two. Oh, do you use the seven different flashing lights? Oh, no, I only use the one. Oh, but you must use the app. I've never used the app. Okay, cool. Well, all of those things are reducing your battery time, which means you're having to recharge it constantly. We thought it doesn't have to be like that. So we created Surrey, the world's most sustainable electric toothbrush. You know, from an e-commerce perspective, it's very small. It's high value. So, you know, from a economics perspective, it, it makes a very good e-commerce product. It doesn't go out of date. So it's easily transportable and we've, you know, improved it in many different ways. You know, we have over a 40 day battery life on a single charge. It's repairable. Uh, We offer free recycling of the heads, which are themselves are plant-based. The packaging's entirely recyclable. And we offer innovative features, like really basic ones, but a magnetic mirror mount so you can not get that horrible gunk that accumulates on the bottom or a uv light in a travel case so all of that in a package which is half the size of a traditional electric brush has led us to this product that people don't just like they they really love it
1: and that's something we were talking about before we hit record was how the consumers have like fallen in love with what is fundamentally a very dull product. Apologies for saying it, but but they rave about your product, don't they? I mean it's it's crazy the feedback you get.
0: So I think actually that like you, you really struck on on the very heart of what Suri do and, and what we what we've accomplished. And there's two two parts to that actually. One is I think if you take anything which traditionally has been quite dull or boring, there's very low expectations, right? And so if you do anything to then exceed what is already very low expectations, people are delighted with that contrast between low expectations and over-delivering. But the second part, and you know, I really got to give credit Gieve, uh, my co-founder on this, is that you know years ago you heard about MVPs, minimum viable products, which is great, You know, maybe if you're doing software and you can make changes quickly. When it comes to hardware, though, Gieve has long talked about an MLP, a minimum lovable product. And so, as we were developing our MLP, you know, we went through many iterations of brushes, which may have been sufficient. You know, we we could launch them faster than we did, but that sort of requirement to have a minimal lovable product led us to a level of detail, which I think is then reflected in our consumer reviews.
1: And I said in the in the intro that you've you've experienced extreme growth as a business. Do you think that would have been possible without the minimum lovable product, I think is a brilliant way of putting it, and that customer backing?
0: No, I don't think it would have been possible. At Procter & Gamble, if I'm to remember properly, and apologies if I misquote this, but they talk about the F-Mot and the S-Mot. Have you heard of those?
1: No, please do explain.
0: The F-Mot is the first moment of truth. That's when you see the product in the aisle or, or potentially nowadays, like when you're browsing the internet. The second moment of truth, the s is when you use the product. Now, there's plenty of examples in e-commerce, and actually, I think e-commerce gets a bad rep for this, of something which has a great f mot You know, oh, my God, that looks brilliant. It solves my problems. I'm going to buy it on Instagram. It's a great price. You purchase it, and the S-MOT is just not as good an experience, and people are disappointed, and then that's reflected in the reviews. And... People know now, especially when you're purchasing a product at a higher price point, it's a considered review. You will want to see what do people say about it. And so now, you know, we're at the point where it's no exaggeration to say we love our consumers. You know, the the depth of the people aren't just writing like, yeah, five stars, great delivery. It's, you know, this toothbrush has changed my life you know i look forward to brushing my teeth and i'm 60 years old and i've never said that before which is just incredible and it and it really it really helps sort of guide people in you know switching to a brand which is relatively new but trying to do things in a better way we've also invested heavily in our customer service which i think differentiates us from other brands
1: yeah it's it's often feels like brands they get the product right But then the experience isn't right. You know, they make it Instagrammable or TikTokable. So they get the F-M-O-T, but they don't really care about how the product operates. So the the S-M-O-T, trying to use use my terminology right here. And then they've not got the customer service in place or the delivery speeds to actually look after the customer and give them the experience, which enables them to actually fall in love with the product because a bad experience the product can be brilliant, but it definitely takes the edge off. So given that vast growth that you've experienced, how did you manage to keep the operations and the customer service growing at pace to keep delivering a great customer service? Because it's very easy to scale an ad budget <laughs> or an email marketing program. It's very difficult to scale customer service or the operations side of things and manufacturing as well. Have you Have you dealt with that more fundamental part of the business, I suppose?
0: Yeah. I want to say, like, I've got a great story about this, which is, you know, during my university, I saw this, like, module on just um, becoming very competent at spinning plates. And so I spent four months in a Tibetan monastery, like, learning how to spin plates. <laughs> and I just became very, very good at it. But actually, I was never actually that good at spinning plates. It's, it's just, it's been an uphill challenge from quite early on. So we had 5,000 pre-orders. We shipped them out. A week later, I had a call from R3PL to say, "Oh, a thousand of them haven't gone out because it turns out the Haulier won't ship lithium batteries, despite all the reassurances we had that they would." Which meant that you know we had a thousand orders which were now delayed from people who had pre-ordered already and been waiting for it, and it was just a very high-stress moment. Where fortunately, you know, myself, my co-founder, and two other team members, we all just jumped on and learned how to use Gorgeous for 12 hours a day for the best part of three weeks until we decided, you know, we need to find a, a better way to scale this because we can't do anything else. But in a way, I think that's why we did this in the first place, like I, we relished those challenges and learning about things that we can do better, which is pretty much everything. You know, I find that we also learn the fastest when we make mistakes. So it's so cliche to say all of those things, but it's definitely true. It wasn't enjoyable at the time. Those sorts of things pop up, as I'm sure your listeners will resonate with.
1: So would it be fair to say a mixture of the right tech and then the team flexibility to jump on and find a way to solve a problem as fast as possible? So kind of like a mindset and technology mix?
0: Yes, but also truthfully, I think Gieve's experience running an e-commerce business previously, he knew customer service was paramount. Actually, a hot tip is HelloFresh. This successful e-commerce brand you might have heard of worked out that their customer service outsourced supplier wasn't really set up properly for D2C. And so they developed their own one in-house and it's so good that they now like outsource that to other companies. So they have this thing called Hello Connect. So they have teams in the Philippines and we quickly managed to leverage some of their resource and that's that's worked out to be a very cost efficient, very effective way to manage customer service.
1: Oh, nice. I hadn't, I did not know HelloFresh had done that. So I'm going to have to go and Google that post this interview. <laughs> very cool. And yeah, because if you can if you can find the right outsourcing partner for that, it gives you so much scalability and so much less to do. Because you're not going to do the one on one hiring and the one on one training on how to be customer service. You can just train them on how to be your customer service.
0: Exactly. And, you know, having built scripts before and understood the importance of that and returns and the returns process, I think, gave us a head start. So we had a framework from which to build upon. And without a doubt, you know, it's having anticipated some of those problems. And we've done the same with packaging, with all parts of the business. You know, although we are, you know, having a mindset and solving it, we are also fortunate to have had, you know, training in, running businesses at Procter and Gamble and in e-commerce.
1: So a bit of prior knowledge to ward off a lot of the errors in the first place anyway and to know how to fix them when they crop up.
0: Exactly. To have a level of anticipation of, you know, what's going to be important. And then obviously from there, you know, you might have the best laid plan until you find out that your orders aren't going and then you do need to find a, a new solution. But at least having that framework in place, I think, set us up to focus on other areas of growth.
1: Let's go into those other areas of growth. You mentioned earlier about the amazing customer reviews you've got. And there is a lot of noise in the industry. Could be hot air, might not be hot air. I don't think it entirely is. Around the fact we should all be using UGC, user-generated content, customer reviews across all of our marketing. So do you allow that review activity the happy customers to just do their thing and spread the word about the brand or do you leverage that in a way to to grow the business and feel free to say chloe we do but it's like a minor piece of the pie i'm you know happy for you to say whatever the real situation is
0: i think it's actually the strongest untapped part of our business you know we always talk about how can we actually make something more of this because one of my favorite APIs ever is we have an API between Trustpilot and Slack. So the whole team live will see customer reviews come in. And for the most part, it's just really joyous to see, you know, dentists or dental professionals or consumers of different ages, you know, really describing in detail what they like or what they think could be improved um, coming through. So, yeah, I, I don't think that we do enough with it really, honestly. And it's hard to kind of, Authentically capture someone's review when you're pushing it yourself. Oh, Mr. Jones said this. It's like, do you trust a brand when they're pushing someone else's comment? I think I've seen brands really utilize video reviews and UGC, particularly some US brands. Um, that's something that I would like us to move towards. But, you know, it's uh, one of a million things on the checklist, as I imagine you're familiar with. <laughs>
1: yeah I think I always think the success in e-commerce comes from working out what you should do rather than what you could do you know the, the to-do list is always endless so obviously you had the minimum lovable product which has led to that great customer feedback and enhanced the growth of the business. What else do you think has set you up for success and and for the growth that you've achieved?
0: again, it's like mega cliche but I think we are solving a, a problem for a large market of people who've had that problem that wasn't being addressed. And quite frankly, there are a lot of people who, you know, brush their teeth every day, I think is one of the most common habits. It's an enormous category where two players have like an 80% market share. When we interview people, they seem quite apathetic. You say, oh, what what brush do you use? And they're like, oh, it's the the one with the the round head or, oh, it's uh, that one. I can't remember the name. And we thought, wow, that's incredible. You can't, you use this twice a day and you have done for years. And often these consumers have used that that particular brand for like 15, 20 years, you know, do you love? Oh no, it's a chore. It's a boring product. It's and yet somehow people just come to come to accept that. Well, that's just the way things are, you know. And so I think offering a product which puts um, design sustainability and performance because you you know no one wants to compromise i don't think you know oh well it's really sustainable but my teeth are awful you know absolutely not we are clinically proven to provide a superior clean uh, we use the same clinical uh, research center as the leading other brands and so you know we're confident that our brush gives that great clean which comes across in the reviews and so yeah so i think a lot of our growth can be really attributed to finding um, a sizable issue. I mean, loads of people brush their teeth and, and you know, finding a solution to those problems. It's a bit boring, but that that's the truth.
1: But it's definitely a category where little has changed. But yet on the website, you appear to be putting a lot of work into removing barriers to purchase to make sure you're getting those conversions. So there's the free shipping and there's a hundred day money back guarantee going on. So customers are seeing all these reviews. They've probably heard a friend raving about it. Is that guarantee, you know, having a hundred day guarantee, try it for three months. Is that, is that something you found is really, really important to get the sale?
0: I just love conversion rate optimization. It's like, I don't know. I think about it all the time. It really is just. Like, and, and again, I'm sure your listeners all know, but we used to see those free Nick Sharma guides on, you know, optimum landing page hierarchy and basics of conversion rate optimization. And it's just so much fun, like tweaking them, seeing, you know, which one works, which one doesn't, and just constantly doing lots of little tweaks across everything and seeing how that, like, you know, um, adds up. But yes, everything like that's considered and, and we're constantly testing. You know, new things. I, you know, we look to a lot of other fast-growing brands for inspiration because often they'll have tested something really well. I know there's a company called PetLab Co. who are actually based in London. Sell most of the stuff in the US. It's like the most, I don't know. I think it's one of the fastest-growing DTC brands that no one's ever heard of. But as I understand, doing you know, in the hundreds of millions of revenue within three short years. Have you interviewed them?
1: No, I haven't interviewed them. I shall have to find them. (laughs) I've written them down on my notepad, ready. So listeners, don't worry, coming to a podcast as soon as I can get them. Mark, you clearly could have continued to grow as a business purely doing D2C via your Shopify store. But you've gone onto Amazon and you're now listed in Boots. Life becomes more complex, as we all know, as soon as you add other channels into the mix. So what's the, is it purely a toothbrush land grab that the strategy of going into those other, other locations, or is there something else to it? Not, I should say that there's anything wrong with going after a pure toothbrush land grab.
0: You know, we're, we're full steam ahead on D2C. There's no, this isn't us retreating in any way from D2C. We are a hundred percent focused on growing that channel as quickly as possible. But you know, Amazon represents 45% of UK electric toothbrushes sold, even higher in the US. Boots is about a 30 to 35% market share. So within those two retailers, you have a 70 to 80% share of electric toothbrush purchases in the UK. So, you know, you want to be where people are. And also, in terms of you know, ad spend, not everyone wants to buy via Instagram or has trust issues with Instagram. But will be popping into boots this Christmas as part of their ritual of uh, you know, Christmas shopping on the high street. And often that's where people buy electric brushes and there's an impulse purchase. Or likewise, you know, buying other things on Amazon, have the prime membership, trust Amazon, are used to the experience. And so I think it's actually a good sort of a diversification of ad spend on on purely on you know driving traffic to our DTC page. But it also, you know, has like an overall uplift, I think being, you know, having awareness through those channels. And I think, you know, all the channels can sort of help each other. So to speak, someone might see us in boots, search online, come to our website, etc. cetera.
1: E-commerce master plan is supported by some of the greatest companies in the e-commerce sector. Here's a reminder of who they are. It's time for the top tips round. Okay, I love this section because it gives me and our listeners some really quick ideas for taking our business to the next level. So, Mark, are you ready for the top tips? Yeah. Okay, the book top tip. If everyone listening to this podcast agreed to take Friday off and read a book to make their business better, which book would you recommend?
0: The book that I was going to recommend or the book that I will recommend is called The E-Myth by Michael E. Gerber, who I discovered was on your podcast, like absolute business book writing legend. And that's all about how you can put in place uh, systems and processes in order to sort of scale more effectively. And it's just really thinking about the end in mind and how you can ideally sort of manage yourself out of the business um, in a sort of thoughtful way. Not to say that I actually practice it in in reality, in like a in a way that would even be recognisable to what's recommended in the book, but certainly it gave me solace earlier on in my career in my previous company, actually, in how to um, scale when when you're growing quickly.
1: It is a phenomenally fundamental business book. I think almost everyone, you know, they rock up to the bank to open a business bank account, and they should be forced to read it before they do anything else. One hundred
0: percent. It's the foundations. Yeah,
1: so foundational, so crucial, just just so worth reading everybody. And if you want to hear my interview with Michael, it's episode 89. Yeah, long way back in time, but it did honestly happen. You can hear the proof.
0: I'm going to go and listen to it afterwards.
1: (laughs) Awesome. Let me know what you think. Uh, Okay, The traffic top tip, which marketing method do you either prize above all others or think doesn't get the press it deserves?
0: The one that doesn't get the press it deserves, and excuse the pun, but is uh, PR. So for us, actually a top tip for everyone, there's this company called CIJ Group. And they're a press company that do this thing called uh, Christmas in July or or Christmas in August or something like that. And they get a lot of the journalists who write all the gift roundups in the UK and the US. And they also do this thing called power pitching, which for a 1,000 pounds, you pitch to 35 journalists. I think we did that last Christmas. Thirty-one of the journalists, including you know Daily Mail, Good Housekeeping, uh, Hello, Independent, Features dust in their gift guides, um, and so we got millions of pounds worth of of coverage. And then obviously being in those gift guides was really useful. So I think that that is actually it worked out very well for us and I would highly recommend if you do go to them definitely use my name as a referral and I'll hopefully get some some free stuff from them yeah and then the other sort of channel which I think works really well is word of mouth again excuse a pun but the people who love our product invariably go on to say oh I've bought one either for my family or you know they've told their friends about it and so we're seeing really great organic which comes from delivering hopefully a great experience in terms of speed of delivery, ease of choosing, and then the actual product working as described.
1: Two great recommendations there. Was that the CIJ group who are doing Christmas in?
0: I believe that's the name, yeah. And yeah, it's this, you know, I pitched 35 journalists in one hour. So it's just such an efficient use of time. These other journalists who are going to write the actual reviews, I spoke to Oprah Daily, NBC News last week, and, you know, Hello Magazine, and all sorts of random others. I just think it's very nice efficient use of time
1: great way to stand out over and above all the stuff that must arrive in their inbox every day
0: well this is it and the other people who are pitching are often like like large conglomerate companies um who may or may not have like passionate founders speaking slash they don't you know and you know they're talking for the fifth year in a row about their boring appliance and so i think it's refreshing for the journalist to come across something that is a little bit different
1: Excellent tip. I swear everyone's just paused this to go and Google CIJ group. But come back, everybody, come back. Um, Okay, the top tip, maybe a collaboration tool, a social media plugin, a phone app, or just a way of working. Is there a cool little tool you use that makes you and your team more efficient from day to day?
0: There are two tools I would say. So within Slack, getting the Trustpilot API is really good. Also in Slack, I only found out yesterday or last week that you can pin Google Sheets or documents to your conversations with certain people or certain groups, which means like, you know, if sometimes you forget where that document is with that person, it's so handy to be able to get it really quickly. And then the last one is there's an automation on Slack where if you need your whole team to fill out a calendar or something, you can set it to remind everyone at a specific time to fill out a certain sheet or attend a certain thing or a meeting's about to happen. And then that's just like a really nice little automation on Slack. But another one which I think is like actually my favorite, favorite one ever, is if you use a Mac and you go to System Settings, and then you go to Keyboard, and then you go to Text Replacements, then you can add in your own shortcut Text Replacements. So I use one for our address. You know, people always say to me, well, where are you? You know, what's your address? And so I type in SBX space, and then it comes up with our address. And so that just saves me like hours of my life. And I, I cherish every single time I use that. Likewise, company information, you know, when people are asking for your VAT number, your address, all this kind of boring stuff that you have to go and copy and paste from somewhere else. I've got one for that, I've got one for my Zoom link. Um, and, you know, gives has got some really elaborate ones which write entire emails you know, so great to meet you. Thanks so much for your time. Um, you know, <laughs> I can't wait to keep in touch. Um, and you can just use a shortcut for that. So, that that's definitely my top, top one.
1: Nice. Loving those two. And then finally, the carbon top tip. What's your favorite way to reduce the carbon footprint of an e-commerce business?
0: So, this is a plug for my friend's company, the Do Nation. She set up, uh, Hermione set up this amazing online business which enables companies to uh, engage their employees in actions which reduce your carbon footprint because a lot of it's to do with education you know there's so many different ways that you can take small actions which you know accumulate i think through her website the donation you can you know easily engage people in a fun and enjoyable way to take those different actions to you know drive awareness of it and you know as a team a bit like doing a steps challenge She you know, how much carbon you can save.
1: Cool. Do nation. D-O nation. Exactly. Awesome. Well, I'll have to go and check that one out then. Mark, thank you so much for being here. Before we say goodbye, could you please let the listeners know where they can find you and your business on the web and social, please?
0: So our website is www.trysuri.com. So that's T-R-Y-S-U-R-I dot On Instagram, we're at discover Suri. My name is Mark Rushmore, so contact me on LinkedIn if you want. Say hello. And if you do use CIJ Group, the Do Nation, or any of those other things, let me know. I'd love to hear your experience. And lastly, we also will offer a discount code to your listeners if that's all right.
1: That would be amazing. Thank you very much.
0: Sure. So if you want to have the most highly rated sustainable electric toothbrush on Trustpilot, then please do use the discount code masterplan10 at checkout and you will receive 10% off your order of an electric toothbrush, which is award-winning. And if you don't like it, there's a 100-day money-back guarantee.
1: Nicely done. Perfectly done. Um, Mark, thank you so much for being on the e-commerce masterplan podcast. It has been brilliant chatting to you. I've learned a lot. I'm sure the audience have as well. So, thank you so much for coming on and talking with us. Thank you. So, fascinating chat there with Mark from Surrey. They've really stacked up how they've gone about growing the business. So, they started off by identifying a space where the incumbents were not doing a particularly cool job because they haven't really developed anything new in X number of years/slash decades. They then built a minimum lovable product, which I think is a brilliant term: an MLP, a minimum lovable product how they create a product which is definitely going to be loved by the customer. And yeah, it takes a bit more time, but it gives so much back once you get past the launch phase. Clearly, they knew there was appetite for it because they had 5,000 pre-orders when those first uh, toothbrushes arrived. And then they focused on getting both the first moment of truth when people see it and the second moment of truth when people use it right. That's led to that Incredible amount of brilliant and long winded, uh, shall we say, customer feedback coming in to, back into the business. And all of that drives the growth. And then they've been in a mindset place where as that growth grows, they have been ready to jump on the problems and fix them, to pile in and deal with the customer service as it, as it happens. And I think that also that focus on delivering a great experience for the customer clearly is ringing true with the way in which the business has grown. So, oh, and then those those super hot PR tips uh, that he was giving us towards the end as well. So loads loads of great advice in there about how to create a fast growth business, a sustainable business, selling a sustainable product, which is really going to be changing consumer mindsets, I suspect, as it grows ever bigger. You can get your hands on our notes from this episode, including the top tips and links to what we've mentioned by heading over to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast, or you can use our director episode short links. Just put ecmp.info forward slash whatever the number of this episode is, into the URL bar and you'll be redirected straight to the correct episode page. When you get to the website, you can also add yourself to our email list so you don't miss out on any of the other things I share to help you improve your business. And if you liked this episode, then why not check out episode 89, where I interview Michael E. Gerber himself, author of The E-Myth, or... If Emyth isn't your thing, one thing which we didn't discuss is that Suri is a B Corp and we've put together all of the episodes we've done with B Corps at ecmp.info forward slash B Corp, all one word. So if you're interested in potentially exploring that in 2024 for your business, then go and have a listen to some of those. And some of them we get really deep into being a B Corp and becoming a B Corp. Thank you for tuning into this and every episode that you do of the Ecommerce Master Plan Podcast. I bring you a new interview every week because I want to inspire and help e-commerce business owners like you to succeed and thrive with your businesses, including progressing along the path to net zero. So, if you know someone this show can help, please tell them to listen to the Ecommerce Master Plan Podcast. I hope you have a great week, and don't forget to keep optimizing. Thank you for listening to the Ecommerce Master Plan Podcast. Find out more at ecommercemasterplan.com slash podcast.